This podcast is brought to you by Central, helping schools work smart. It's different state by state. So in Victoria, if I'm a Year 12 student and I've got aspirations of being a technologies teacher, there is no domestic course in Victoria that I could sign up for. That's Monique Daly reflecting on the lack of technology courses available in Victoria for aspiring technology teachers. Monique is my guest today on Central Station. Hello, I'm Colin Klupik. Monique Daly is a Victorian secondary teacher of design and technologies, author and designer. Monique will be a discussion panellist at the 2021 Age School Summit in Melbourne, Australia, where she'll be engaging on a variety of themes around technology in education. In particular, there'll be robust discussion about mentoring, professional development, initial teacher education programs, and the innovative nature of the technologies curriculum. It's a complex subject area given its breadth and the variety of skills needed to teach it. In this conversation, we dive into some of those complexities and talk about ways to address what appears to be a shortage or crisis in the supply of new technology teachers in Australia. There's a lot of great work going on, but more needs to be done to ensure a sustainable supply of teachers. And for more information on that work, make sure you check out the information and links in the show notes to this episode. I started by asking Monique to clarify what the subject area looks like today and why it's different from the past. When it comes to technology, I think most people in schools particularly would probably think of technology just as as computers generally. Like there's a computer lab or there's a student walking around with a laptop. That's technology in schools. And then someone will say, oh, ICT. Oh, yes, that's technology. And it kind of gets very bland. You, however, operate at at the sharp end and your area is very focused. Why are you different? So I'm a design and technologies teacher. And that describes someone who teaches the technologies curriculum. So technologies is digital technologies and design and technologies. Can I just stop you there? Can I just stop you? Because you say technologies. So this is plural. So we're talking Australian curriculum technologies. Yeah, we are. Right. Okay. Sorry. I just needed to clarify that. Yeah, cool. And I should preface this by saying I'm located in Victoria. So if I was in New South Wales, the subjects I would teach would be industrial technology timber, um, industrial technology multimedia, um, design and technology, technology mandatory, um, and vet construction, vet building and construction. As I'm located in Victoria now, um, the subjects I teach are product design, systems engineering, well, we have a lot in common because uh, my, my background is, is quite similar in that respect. And I, I guess I've spent all of my teaching life in New South Wales, so I totally get where you're coming from. For the person who doesn't actually understand that kind of distinction between Victoria and New South Wales, some people might just sort of think in terms of technology as kind of being the old manual arts thing. And you've kind of alluded to that in those very exotic sounding subject names that you've described, which are not really what most people would think about these days. Is it different to industrial arts or what people might think of as manual arts? Good question. I think if someone was to ask me what I teach, I would think about um, their age and Mm. that's how I might respond as to how they may have attended school and what they would have participated in at school. Um, You could call me a manual arts teacher or an industrial arts teacher. We don't use that terminology anymore. The learning area is technologies and applied 
studies or if you are in Victoria, design and technologies or technologies. And that encompasses a real broad umbrella of um, skills, materials, tools, equipment um, that is different to a computer. It is it is way extra than a computer. Um, ICTs are a curriculum capability that all teachers teach using ICTs, whereas design and technologies and digital technologies are a very specific set of skills um, that um, allow students to see their learning in projects. And the projects could be... <laughs> How about that? That's the school bell, right? <laughs> it's time to go. Let's leave. <laughs> yeah, it's time to go. We're done. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> um, so projects could be, you know, out of, you know, mixed materials, plastic, jewellery, metal. Um, they could be making stuff on the 3D printer or um, any any kind of computer-aided machinery. Um, yeah, it, it is so broad. It would sometimes even encompass areas like food technology, food and fibre, textiles, fashion, um, and that would depend on the learning areas, uh, how the learning area is made up at the school um, and, and how the, the school would divide up um, design and technologies and digital technologies. Um, I am the current president of Data Australia. We've done a survey recently and the survey has given us some really interesting information that all the teachers who filled in our survey about COVID and teaching during COVID in 2020 are all design and technologies teachers and they also teach digital technologies as well. So we don't have digital technologies and design and technologies. We have design and technologies teachers who are also skilled in digital technologies. Do you think that the Australian curriculum division of those two teaching areas, like design and technologies and digital technologies, has created a bit of confusion as to what the general area of technology is all about? I might respond with that in saying that our the, the cha name change is still so new that we're still in an identity crisis <laughs> and not all states are following suit. So yeah. the conversation around the dinner table of what do you teach, what do you do, the response might be different depending on the state you live and work. Um, so I think that the more we talk about technologies, we use language that's all encompassing, that actually demonstrates, you know, how how skilled we are in many things and not just um, responding with um, a manual arts teacher. Right. Okay. Oh, that's fair enough. So arts, I think it gives it gives yeah, it gives more breadth to the to the description of what we actually do in schools and what the curriculum looks like. You may not have expertise in all those areas as a teacher. You might have an area of focus, um, and and that's okay. But I still think that um, keeping that broad, encompassing title actually allows, um, yeah, to understand what what we actually do. Well, speaking of the breadth of that subject area, just as you were describing that, I thought. You know, reflecting back, I mean, when you're in the job, you kind of think that you know the job and you just do the job and, you, and you're doing it day in, day out and you, and you understand it. But if, again, if you were to step outside of this, and again, this is for our listeners who, who are perhaps not as aware of the detail, that would seem to indicate that we would need an enormous range of people with incredibly wide skills, or we just need a lot more teachers who've got the narrow skills. <laughs> uh, have we been keeping up with that as the technology has been evolving? This could be a very difficult question. I'm glad I'm not on video because I'm nodding and making horrified faces <laughs> because you know, 
it is worrying about the the skills that teachers have and the skills that uh, they need to develop. Um, I think we're really lucky working in design and technologies and technologies that you work as a learning area and, and as, a, as a department. And so when you've got a group of teachers who have um, complementary skills in different areas, some of those teachers might come from straight from school. They might go straight into their ITE course and then come into the profession. Other teachers might come by way of industry and then might have special sets of skills and expertise that actually add value to the learning area and departments in different ways. Um, and I think it's really up to schools by the way that they hire and recruit to make sure that they have um, or try and have enough, enough teaching staff to service the, the students, the electives that they have. Um, I should, the reason why I said try and I'm sounding a bit apprehensive is because we don't have enough teachers in design and technologies, technologies, TAS, um, across Australia. Mm. We're experiencing a teacher shortage in those areas. Um, and why is that? It's because of a range of reasons, but we don't have enough because there's not enough courses. At, there's not enough students in courses at university and there's not enough courses as options in university to train to be a design and technologies teacher. So I think schools are trying to keep up with uh, by, by, by recruiting appropriately trained teachers. But I also think we're not meeting the demands of schools' needs with university. Yeah, this is really an interesting uh, supply and demand question, isn't it? Because you've got demand on the school side and the universities have got problems on the supply side in terms of what they're supplying, yet the universities might come back and say, yeah, but we've got a demand problem as well because people aren't demanding the courses that we're not offering. In which case, we're not producing the students or the, the teachers that you are demanding. So how do we solve that particular problem? Is it the fact that, that the universities are willing to put up courses, but nobody signs up? It's different state by state. So in Victoria, if I'm a year 12 student and I've got aspirations of being a technologies teacher, there is no domestic course in Victoria that I could sign up for. None? No. No, no university course to become a technologies teacher. I'm going to be careful. Technologies teacher in Victoria, currently so as of 2021. Yeah. So let's. The language in Victoria is method areas. So subjects are called method areas. So if I was a, a humanities teacher or a teacher of economics or languages or HPE science, I would be able to see in the in the uni guides that I could have uh, options for universities that I could attend um, that would service my method area. But as a technologies teacher or an aspirant one, there are no courses in Victoria. So what does that mean for students or future students or future teachers? Um, it means I have to look outside the state. It means I have to look at online courses. Um, and there are courses that are online and there are states that have healthy numbers, um, but we're still not meeting the required needs of recruitment of schools, supply, that supply and demand. Hold on. Are you su hang on. i got to get this straight in my head. Are you suggesting that if I wanted to be a technologies teacher and I lived in Victoria and I wanted to remain in Victoria, I would have to go interstate to study in a different system and then come back to Victoria to teach in my home state? How does that work from a compliance point of view? Does the, do the Victorians then say, oh, you've studied in a, in a New South Wales university. Yep, tick, you're in. The great thing about ITE courses is that they're nationally recognised. 
Right. Okay. That's something that's, that really is, is a benefit of our IT courses in Australia. And what that means is, is that as someone who did, who has spent most of their teaching career in New South Wales and did all my study in New South Wales, I could easily relocate to Victoria and teach the same or similar subjects in Victoria. And the same would go if I went to Queensland or Northern Territory, Western Australia. So our ITE programs are nationally recognised. But what we don't have is a course for Victorians. <laughs> okay. Well, let's just pretend for a moment that uh, we're going to design one for Victorians. If I was one of those teachers, and let's just put our marketing hats on here because that, yeah. that can be quite a creative thing to do. What would you call such a course so that somebody knew what it was? <laughs> would you call it, say, the, the method that you've always wanted but never had and is finally here? <laughs> Something like that. I've always got a smile on my face in, in, in my class and my students always joke that, if they don't joke, they, they really know that I have the best job in the world <laughs> and I'm always happy. And that's how I promote it to my my classes, my students. Um, I have a few 10 students in my class that are aspirational teachers and we discuss, you know, what would be your method area that you would like to to teach when you're older and and some of them say I'd love to be a primary school teacher I love STEM and the idea of teaching STEM in primary is really exciting for me they have course options for for STEM um, and for primary Um, other students say oh you know I really like the idea of being a HPE teacher I might even have a HPE and a science um, combination which is something they can study and I have a student who who is studying presently in year 10 all of our technologies electives. Oh, wow. He said, oh, yeah, I mean, technologies is her jam. And again, with a big smile on my face, I tell her, you know, it's the best job in the world. <laughs> and <laughs> But I also have this little voice in the back of my head thinking, well, where is she going to study? <laughs> if she was going to be a technologies teacher, where would she study in Victoria? And there are no, there currently are no options. Now, how do we solve that? Well, we're really lucky that we have a, a national teachers association, so Data Australia. We have a committee of representatives from all states across um, Australia who are working really hard on a couple of key issues for us as technology issues. And one of those is the technologies teacher shortage. And the other is ITE programs in Australia um, and making sure that they um, fulfill needs of the school's safety requirements, the school's recruitment needs, the school subjects, um, and to make sure that someone studying in Victoria or New South Wales is able to get a job. Um, and I have to say that we're getting, we're getting headway but nothing yet for yeah for the for the immediate future um what does that mean for other for other teachers or for people who are coming in from industry they could study a course online they could do something that sort of more looks more like a micro credential Mm. Um, but it may look different to the training that you and I had to become a teacher. Mm. It, it may not be that that B Teach program or that Masters of Teaching program that we did with the Method Area add-on um, in Victoria. So it's not dire straits, but it's worrying because the technologies teachers at schools not only are they skilled, but there's no other subjects like ours. There's no other subjects at school that you work in a workshop, that you work in specialised machinery, tools and equipment at close 
close supervised level with low risk um, because you've got specialist teachers observing, helping and supporting you in those practical situations um, where you can go from, you know, paddock to plate or where you can go from um, design to, to the finished product. There's no other subjects like that. So when we're talking about uh, teacher shortage and issues with recruitment, I just think what happens in schools to the electives What's going to happen to the elective offerings that schools have? They're going to be limited. They're going to be reduced. Um, and, you know, we haven't even talked about in this conversation, Colin, the, the access and equity for rural schools mm. and, the, and the teacher shortage issues of rural schools in this conversation, which is another layer to the complexity of what we, we're talking about. So, you know, you could have um, aspirant teachers who live in rural locations, how and where do they study? And then you have students in rural locations and schools. Yeah, what subjects do they do at school? Yeah, that's amazing, isn't it? I mean, you made a comment there earlier that, uh, about uh, the, the skills, the workshops, the machinery and, and issues of safety. That all indicates that a person coming into this area needs to have a very specialised set of skills, not only in terms of what they can do, but in how they can manage that in a, in a classroom situation. I remember, well, it's, we're going back 25 years now. It was, I think it's a little bit different back then, but alongside my teacher preparation, I also did some work at TAFE to try and uh, make sure that I covered all of those skills. And, and I was there for a number of, and what, for a, what seemed to be many, many years and many, many hours. And looking back, I think, is that just what young people do? I'm not sure I could do that today. And is it still fair and reasonable today to ask people to do that now in order to get those skills? I think it's fair to ask teachers to be, to be growing experts in their subject area. Absolutely. Um, and I think it is, it is okay to ask teachers to, to put value on professional learning um, and developing and honing skills, um, moving with new curriculum, moving with trends um, in, in tools, machinery, equipment, all that kind of thing. I think that's really reasonable. Do you have all those skills as a beginning teacher? No. <laughs> so is it's that a- okay? Yes. Yeah, I mean it's it's a journey, right? So I guess I guess it depends on on what your perception is as as to where you jump in on the journey and where you think the destination is, if there is in fact a destination. Um, and you would know as a beginning teacher, you know, you need to be prepared. You need to you need yes. to do sometimes you need to do the work that the students are doing. Um, and what that looks like for technology teachers is maybe doing the projects and maybe making um, and really developing those practical skills. Yeah, and, and, you know, in our subject area, it looks different. In, in economics or another subject area, they might be unpacking a new study design. We might be unboxing a brand new 3D printer. Mm. Well, that sounds I like more fun. I know what I'd rather put <laughs> yeah. my time in. I was just going to say, that sounds like more fun to me, but that's an incredibly biased reaction, isn't it? <laughs> so in terms of... In terms of trying to put all those things together and at least getting those beginning teachers to that point where they can walk into a classroom. I mean, I, I remember the first time I walked into an industrial, uh, uh, my first school that I worked at had quite an industrial sort of setup. And my first reaction was, oh my goodness, <laughs> I've got some work to do. How can the universities better respond to make that transition just that little bit easier? A couple of things. I 
think schools do a great job of knowing that graduate teachers need lots of support and mentoring, um, but I think we could probably extend and welcome more pre-service teachers into our classrooms that they have a better understanding of what they're walking into in terms of their future classrooms. So I think I'll, I'll put the emphasis of this, of this question and response on pre-service teachers and, and graduate teachers. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's mentoring and having good mentors in your early career that can teach you skills, um, debrief after a day that hasn't gone really well and reflect on a day that has gone really well. Um, and, you know, put, put that energy into the next teaching day. Do things the same, do things different. Um, yeah, so I think I would respond to that question with... Um, teaching is something that we all have we, we're always evolving and growing learners and I know that in my role as director of professional learning I have a high emphasis on professional learning but professional learning isn't just always going to a course outside of school or going to an external provider it's about mentoring partnerships and colleagues sharing expertise and teaching each other um, and sharing knowledge between between professionals um, a great space to do that is TeachMeet. So we couldn't get through this mm. podcast without a plug for, <laughs> for TeachMeets because they are a way of, of sometimes online access to, to teacher um, professional learning that's by teachers, for teachers, doesn't come with a high price tag, it's free. And that's really important because that access and equity we were talking about earlier um, it doesn't matter who you are, what what system you work in, you can have um, a, a peer professional to support you and answer some questions. Um, and also spaces like Twitter, teacher blogs, LinkedIn. Um, there's so many resources and ways to get um, support in the profession. Um, and I think that looking at to each other for support, not always external providers um, or experts, um, is, is the way to do it. I wanted to ask you briefly about what uh, people might perceive as being a technical pursuit. And so when they think about technology, they might think of technical, they might think of high tech in terms of, uh, you know, say that, you know, the high tech companies that we see around the place and so forth. But often in the design and technology space, it's also about some of the more what I might like to describe as aesthetic pursuits, things like fashion design or things like food technology or uh, even the, the the furniture that we rely on every single day. I mean, everybody makes choices about the, the clothes that they wear or the furniture that they buy or even what their car looks like and, and, and what color preference they prefer. Are we at, Are we at the risk of seeing some of those more aesthetically based technologies becoming... Uh, less well-known or having less of the limelight? Do, do you see that being a risk? No. I think the maker movement's really coming back in Australia. I think we're, we're tinkering more in our sheds, we're making things with our hands and we're thinking with our heads. And I think there's a place for that in society and there's a place for everything that you described. But as I said before, there isn't another subject area like ours um, and you don't get to design, make and create in another learning area. You only get that to do that in technologies and that's what makes it special. Um, also makes it special from a student perspective, not just from a teacher's perspective because students take objects and items and projects home and people are blown away that they've made them in a school mm. or they've made them at the young age and that's because of 
the equipment, resources and materials that we have in schools to facilitate that, but also because of the expertise of the teachers, being able to break down uh, a seemingly large project into smaller parts that students can do lesson by lesson and then take home at the end and wow their parents with what they've made and maybe then choose a career in design because mm. um, even though we're going into or we, or we have an automated industry where things are high tech, there is still a place for um, design for our makers movement. Um, and I think maybe that's something that we're really taking away from COVID mm. is that we need to have hobbies. Mm. Um, and I'd be curious to know how many of your listeners are into making, designing, pottering around, tinkering. And that's not really what our subject area does. We're a bit different to that. But I think that there is a place for that in society because it's good for our heads, good for our mental health mm. to be able to do that. It's a sense of achievement seeing something through start to finish. Um, but imagine students taking home items that they've made on a 3D printer or, you know, um, harvesting from their garden, as you described, or designing a garment that fits them mm. yeah. exactly the way that they want it to. Yeah, there's something certainly very grounded about having that interaction with something that was an idea and then becomes a reality, it becomes a thing and it becomes your thing. And as you just described, it might actually fit you. <laughs> yeah. Rather than being a thing that you can see on a table, it might actually be something that you can wear. Looking forward then, do you think that we can provide a sustainable... Like given all of the challenges that we've discussed, and I, th I think there's... I actually think there's a lot of excitement in those challenges because challenges make life interesting. Do you think then that we have a sustainable outlook in terms of the, the breadth of technology subjects that we offer... And we have talked about the incredible breadth of the subject and the the teachers needed in order to be able to provide those subjects. Are we heading towards a sustainable balance or are we in a are we really in a difficult situation? That's a massive are we ending on this question? This is, really <laughs> yeah, but this is the hardest question, I promise. <laughs> when, uh, our subject area is so broad. I think it'd be silly to say that we weren't going to have subject rewrites or curriculum advancements that reflected technology changes and advancements and all those kinds of things. And um, will, will our universities evolve quick enough? Let's hope so. Um, <laughs> it's the unanswerable question. It's okay to say, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and I always sit on the positive side because I am a positive person. And I'm really happy for the work that Data Australia is doing around the teacher shortage crisis and, um, and ITE programs and trying to support universities and also schools with professional development um, to upskill teachers. And I think that is a stopgap for now, but we probably need, need a little bit more, bit more action um, in terms of what's happening at universities with, with opening courses again and accepting domestic students and putting research resources into quality university teachers that can upskill um, our future technology teachers. So there is positive around it. Well, I think it sounds very hopeful. Monique, so great to speak with you this afternoon. Thank you so much. Thanks, Colin. So there is hope, but with a lot of hard work yet to do. You've been listening to Central Station. If you found this episode helpful, or if the message has resonated with you, then please share it with a friend or colleague. 
and to hear more great stories about inspiring educators, then make sure you subscribe to Central Station on your favourite podcast app or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Central. To find out more, visit the website central.com.au. I'm Colin Klupik. Thanks for listening.